Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. Christ, a deliverance revival has started. People are getting delivered. People are getting healed. People are getting saved like we've never seen before. I'm telling you right now, God is doing something all over the world. He's doing something all over the all over the United States, in Canada. It's happening. TJ, you just got back from the from the U.S. Share some of the stuff that God is doing in the U.S. when you were over here. I know there's been a powerful move um, that you've seen when people you were are saying they preaching. can't hear me. Okay, let me fix this. Go ahead and talk real quick. Okay, hold on. We still can't hear you. What is going on here? Praise the Lord. Hold on one second. Mm. Go ahead and talk again. Check, check. There one, we go. Two. All right. You guys should be able to hear him now. Live. Type one, guys. We're rolling with it, bro. <laughs> we got everything breaking tonight. We're going to break the devil's neck tonight. That's what's going to break. We're going to break demonic Absolutely. powers and strongholds. But yeah, we're going for it, guys. It is what it is. Praise the Lord. Let us know, though, TJ, what's been going on. I know you just got back from the U.S. You were seeing revival. I was following your stuff. I was watching your events online. I was seeing you traveling from place to place. And I know there's a new hunger. There's a new fire that's been being released in the body of Christ. And I'm seeing this, and you could touch on this. People are hungry like never before. I have never in 10 years, bro, of traveling and preaching, seeing the spiritual hunger. We have people this weekend, think about this, driving from California to New York this weekend to be at the revival. They're driving across the country to be in the presence of God not for a man not for a ministry not for deliverance because people are hungry for the spirit of almighty God so talk to us a bit about what you've been seeing in the meetings what's been going on with you yeah I can concur with that I mean people are hungrier than ever we had a family drive out from North Carolina eight and a half hours to be in one meeting in Pennsylvania in Harrisburg uh, Pennsylvania and the, the the family, the mother had been diagnosed with cancer of the lymph nodes. I'm going to tell you something, God, and this might irritate some religion in some of you, but God does not respond to need. God does not respond to tears. God responds to faith. And so she could have cried about her situation. She could have complained about her need. She could have mentioned her need to everybody. But instead, she got in her car. She found out where God's power was moving, drove to the meeting in expectation and faith. And when I laid my hands on her, it was like the woman with the issue of blood. She had spent all that she had at the hands of many physicians. She was not bettered. She only grew worse. But then she heard about Jesus, Jesus, who was casting out devils. Jesus. She didn't hear about a Jesus. She heard about the Jesus of the Bible. She heard about the one who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil because he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power. And she pressed through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. And when she did that, electricity zapped every form of infirmity and sickness in her body and that lady when i laid hands on her man we didn't need much her faith and has nothing had nothing to do with me literally her faith you know jesus turned to the woman with the issue of blood and didn't say daughter the holy spirit made you well he didn't say daughter you know my sovereignty made you well he said daughter your faith connected you with my virtue and your faith has made you well and that lady came back to our meeting we did a meeting in north carolina a month later and she came back with her whole family and testified 
died that night. She went back to the doctor two weeks after, received a clear report. The cancer's out of her system. No more cancer in the lymph nodes. Totally healed and set free by the power of the Most High. And that's just one testimony. We're going to talk about something else tonight, but that's just why I can go on all night talking about in two months the hunger that America has right now. I, I can't get along with people that say, oh, America, you know, uh, God's going to send Come judgment on. on America. God, When God sees a nation in peril and in trial and a nation that's backed, backed away from him, he doesn't send judgment right away. He sends revival. He sends power. He sends people anointed with the Holy Ghost to set things right. That's what Elijah did. Elijah came on Mount Carmel and he prayed, oh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the whole nation had been given away to idol worship, to the worship of the Baals. And it, Elijah just prayed a simple prayer. Lord, let it be known today. Oh, hallelujah. Let it be known today that your power is real. Let it be known today that you are God in heaven and that I'm your servant. And at your word, I've spoken these things. And when he prayed that the fire of God fell and a whole nation was turned back to God. And that's where we're at. We're in kind of like the days of Elijah in the sense that we have a nation. There's a lot of people who, 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 who they've turned their back on God. But I'm telling you, we're... We're not in the diminishing days of glory on the earth. We're in the days where God's pouring out his spirit on. on all flesh. And we're going to see an unprecedented move of God and an awakening on the earth before Jesus comes back. TJ, and I think we're moving out of the time of worshiping a man of God, worshiping a preacher, celebrity Christianity. And what That's I'm right. seeing is average, normal believers are being enlisted and empowered to do the works of Jesus. They're laying hands on the sick. Friend, I want to tell you that you have power to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. You have power over the enemy. You're not subject. This is what we think That's all the right. time is that we're subject to demons. We're subject to the devil. We're always getting beat up. But I believe God is saying to people tonight, we're prophesying over you tonight, preaching you tonight, that God is moving you from being the devil's punching bag. God is moving you from being the devil's front doormat. God is moving you from being defensive and being in the place where you're always like, I'm getting attacked, I'm getting attacked, I'm getting attacked. When are we going to start talking about attacking the enemy more than the enemy attacking us? When it, When's the last time you walked into church and they were talking about overcoming, overthrowing the enemy's kingdom, being on the offense. Like, I'm not waiting for the devil to come to me. I'm not waiting for my family to come to me. I'm not waiting for my friends to come to me. I'm taking the fight to the front lines. I'm taking the fight and I'm confronting sickness. When are we gonna do this in the church? We go from service to service week after week, sick in our body, and nobody even confronts our sickness. Jesus sent them out to go heal the sick. He didn't even tell the disciples to pray for the sick. He told the disciples to heal the sick. Now, do we pray? Absolutely. But I think that there is untapped potential. And this is what people are listening. People are on. There's 1,500 of you right now on YouTube that are starving. Would somebody please tell me about the God of the scripture? Would somebody please tell me about the Jesus of the Bible? Friend, we have made a Jesus in our image, a Jesus that is powerless, a Jesus that is natural, and a Jesus that is carnal, and God is getting us back to the place of the Jesus that made us in his image that we didn't make him in our image and friend when you get connected to the jesus that we're preaching about you say why do you guys shout why are you excited why do you praise that why why are you guys so persistent why are you always praying for the sick why are you always driving out demons friend because our god isn't dead 
our God is alive. The Bible says, seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's making intercession, and he's praying for you to understand that you are a son and daughter of God, that you don't have to live subject for years. You don't have to live from deliverance to deliverance to deliverance, but you could actually go from deliverance to dominion. Some of you got set free last night on our broadcast, and you're like, now that I have no demons, that's not the end of it. That's not the final. Like, that's not the end goal is to be delivered. The end goal is walking in the supernatural power of God. God does not want you. Everyone listen to what we're saying tonight. To live from deliverance to deliverance. Now, I'm not talking about legitimately needing more deliverance. I'm not talking about being in the process that we're all on. We're all working our salvation through fear and trembling. We're all going from deliverance to deliverance. We're all going from healing to healing. I'm not saying you'll never be sick again. I'm not saying you never need deliverance again. But I'm talking about those of you that are constantly being freed and then going back to bondage. How many times, TJ, do we see people getting free? The the Lord sets them free by his power, by his hand, and then they walk right back into the cage that God brought them out of. And our, our, our message is tonight is living the freed life, living the life of abundance, living the life of dominion, where you don't have to constantly need someone to pray over you. You don't have to constantly need someone to deliver you, but you can actually walk in freedom. This is the life I want to live. I have no problem being like, all right, let pray for me, make sure nothing's there. But I want to live my life free from pornography. Come on, am I preaching to anyone in the chat? Can we get some ones? I want to live live my life free from addiction. I want to live my life free from bitterness. I want to live my life free from contention. I want to live my life free from anxiety and depression and fear. And we've normalized being in bondage. We've normalized being in chains. When the Bible says that the Lord wants to set you free, in fact, Proverbs 26, 11 says, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool goes back to his sin. A fool goes back to his foolishness. And if you've ever seen, I know this is a bit gross here, but if you've ever seen a dog vomit, and then a dog will literally go right there and eat its vomit. After it vomits, it'll go eat the vomit. And it might sound gross, and everyone says that's disgusting, but understand it's not gross to the dog because the dog is a dog. And I want to tell you that you are no longer a dog. You don't have to keep going back to your vomit. God says you're like that dog that you go back to your sin. You go back to your compromise. But God is saying tonight that I want to set you free so that you can live free, so that you can be free indeed so you're you don't have to keep going back the bible says that we are a new creature we are a new species and back in second peter 2 20 peter says when people escape from their wickedness of the world by knowing our lord jesus christ and then they get entangled or they get snared up again by sin he goes they're worse off than before he says it would be better tj if they never knew the way of righteousness than to know the way and then reject the command to live the holy life and then here's what peter says in verse 22 they prove this of the pro they prove the truth of this proverb a dog goes back to his vomit and a wash pig goes back to the mud friend it's time as the body of christ that we walk in a free life that we stop going back to the vomit that we stop going back to the dirt that when you god washes you when god cleanses you now i grew up on a farm we used to have a pig and my mom would wash the pig and it would go right back in the mud right after and it's like don't you know any better and the reality is it doesn't because it's a pig and some of you you still think that you're in that old nature you still think that you're this this dog or this pig and you're you're this slave to 
darkness. But the Bible says you are no longer a slave to sin. You're now a slave of God. And so we can walk this life of dominion. We can walk this life of freedom. Deliverance is not the end of the journey. Deliverance is the beginning of the journey. God wants you to live a free life. And I prophesy over you. Come on, we're preaching tonight. I prophesy over someone tonight that you are going to be free and you are going to stay free. That you're not going to go back to the cage. You're not going to go back to the relationship. Come on. Some of you keep going back to that abusive relationship. Some of you keep finding your way back to that pornography. You keep finding your way back to that abusive relationship. You keep finding your way back to those compromised movies, that compromised music, and it keeps drawing you back in. The fact that it draws you back in is this is the indicator that it's not for you some of you want to argue about worldly movies and music and culture and drinking yet those things entice you back just the fact that they entice you back is proof that it's not for the believer god says don't live with anything in your life that draws you back in that keeps you under the bondage of satan it's time in jesus name tonight i know why the devil doesn't want us on here why he's causing all this havoc is because he knows that if you get this revelation if you get this in your spirit you'll stop going back to your vomit god says tonight it's time to come out and into the promise get out of the wilderness god brought you out of egypt that's not the end goal the end goal is the promised land it's it's the place of destiny and i really believe tj tonight god is breaking people out god is delivering people so that they can walk in the supernatural power of god they can walk in dominion and they can live the supernatural life absolutely and i want to read this from romans 6 which goes alongside what we've been saying this is what paul said about sin this is what paul said the identity of the new testament believer is now that you know when the bible says we're a new creation if you actually study the word it's a new species of being it's something the world has never seen so i don't understand when people are saved and they still call themselves recovering alcoholics or they still call themselves by what they used to be they have haven't changed their vocabulary about themselves when God called Abram his name was Abram exalted father but notice how he gave him a name change real quick and said quit calling yourself by what you used to be quit calling yourself by what you were when I found you now that I've found you your name shall be called Abraham because I don't call you by what you were I don't call you by what you are I call you by what I'm going to make you to be and this is what Paul tells the church at Rome he says what shall we say then shall we continue in sin that grace may abound how many of you ever heard that well how many of you know if we sin you know God covers all our past present and future sins sure it, yes he does but he doesn't cover sin he covers repented sin and we're going to find out in, in a few verses what that means verse 2 certainly not how shall we who die to sin Notice how it doesn't say we're alive to sin. It says we've died to sin. And how should we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or don't you know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with Christ through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, listen to this, Romans 6, 4, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man, not, not who we are right now, our old man was crucified with Christ, and the body of sin was done away with. 
that we should no longer be slaves to sin. I want you to write that in the comment section. I'm not a slave to sin anymore. For he who's died has been freed from sin. Not going to be freed from sin. There's too many people that have made death their savior. They're waiting to die to be freed from sin. They're waiting to die to be healed of sickness. They're waiting to die to be set free from addiction. When the scripture doesn't say death is our savior, it says death is our enemy and that it's been done with. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The Bible says when Jesus Christ hung on that cross, he had three final words, and they were, it is finished. Not it's going to be finished. Not one day I'm going to come back and finish the work. No, it is finished right here and right now. When he breathed his last, the veil that was separating man from God, man from help. You know, Psalm 46 says, God is a very present help in time of trouble. Well, if there's a veil blocking us from that very present help in time of trouble, then, you know, he's not much help. That's why the veil had to come down. But it, notice how it wasn't torn from bottom to top it wasn't a man that took scissors and started to cut it up from the bottom up all the way up it was torn from the top to the bottom that means God dispatched an angel to tear that veil apart so that man might have re regain access to the presence and power of God so that we don't have to identify to what we used to be any longer God can do a work in us transform us on the inside we can become partakers of his divine nature so that yes we we not might not be all that we should be but we're certainly not what we used to be and bless God he's doing a mighty work in me I want you to write that in the comment section God's working in me God is working in me listen to this now if we died with Christ we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ having been raised from the dead dies no more death no longer has dominion over him for the death that he died he died to sin once and for all but the life that he now lives he lives to God. Likewise, verse 11, pay special attention to this. Likewise, you also, that's talking about you and that's talking about me, reckon yourselves, reckon, identify yourselves like this, speak about yourselves like this, see yourself as this, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. And don't present the members of as instruments, the members of your body as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and the members as righteousness of right uh, as instruments of righteousness to God. Verse 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you for you're no longer under law, but you're under grace. The Bible says you are to see yourself as dead to sin. I'm not alive to sin any longer. The sin put a hook in my mouth when I wasn't in Christ and it dragged me where I didn't want to go, made me do things I didn't want to do. You know, it's we don't just sin when we're not in Christ. We have a sin nature that literally puts a drive in you to do things that you don't want to do. Romans 7, Paul literally says, there's a law in me that, that's making me do things I don't want to do. He was he was literally, he was referring to his, his, his nature before he was born again. He was saying, there's a law in myself, a law of sin and death that brings me to my knees to comply and surrender to the demands of sin. But he, he doesn't end there. People use that as a scapegoat to stop living a holy life. Well, Romans 7, you know, the Bible says, what I want to 
do, I don't do. And what I do want to do, I don't do. Paul was talking about his unredeemed self. He was talking about how life was without Christ. The, the scripture finishes off by saying, who will free me from this body of death? Who's going to take this away from me? Who's going to subtract this from my life? Who's going to extract the sin nature from me? Because the law in itself couldn't take sin out of people. All it did was give them the knowledge of their sins. That's why the Bible says the law kills, but the spirit brings life because the spirit transforms you into the very image of Christ in righteousness and in holiness and in purity and in, in goodness. And the Bible says, Paul says this in Romans 8, 1, he starts it off by saying, thanks be unto God who has set me free from this body of sin. For there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus who no longer walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law, the Bible says, of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the life of God in me has set me free from the law of sin and death. So don't tell me I can't stop sinning. Don't tell me, oh, I'm just going to try and live better. You won't. You'll fail. You need the Holy Ghost. The Bible says if we are in the flesh, we are we, we cannot be debtors to the flesh to live according to the flesh. We have to by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the flesh. I want to read one more scripture because it just popped into my spirit. 1 John chapter 3. This is what the Bible says of the redeemed born-again Christian. So all these excuses that modern-day preachers give, that how many of you know we all sin every day? How many of you know? You know, it was a preacher once. I saw a clip on, uh, I don't know if it was TikTok or Instagram Reels or whatnot, and he came out, and he had a, a suit on and a white shirt underneath, and as he was preaching, talking about how, you know, we're all just sinners, and we're all depraved, wretched human beings. Even though Christ has come, we're barely going to make it to heaven. Like, just like totally not gospel. He takes off his jacket, and on his shirt, it said, uh, adultery and it said immorality and it said envy and it said uh it said perversion and it said liar and thief and all these sins and all that and he goes and points to his con congregation he says i want you to know that i'm the biggest sinner in here almost like wearing it as a badge of honor this guy doesn't understand the gospel because the gospel is not an improv uh, an improvement of your old you the gospel is not god just switching things around so you can feel better about yourself the gospel is that you were dead in sin, but Christ demonstrated his love towards you in that while you were still in sin, he died for you. And then he gave you power to live in the dominion over the things that used to dominate you. That's why we got to start talking like Paul said, sin shall no longer have dominion over me. I'm not an alcoholic any longer. I'm not a porn addict any longer. Come Christ on. says I'm dead to those things. The old things have passed away. Behold, everything's been made new. Listen to 1 John 3. Man, this stuff excites me. 1 John 3. The Bible says this. Little children, let nobody deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as Christ is righteous. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. But for this purpose, the Son of God was made manifest, that he might destroy the work of the devil, which was sin in us. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. The Bible says that I'm in that day going to take out the heart of stone. I'm going to take out the heart that's perverted. I'm going to take out the heart of envy, the heart of hatred, the heart of lust, the heart of division, the heart of, of bitterness. I'm going to rip it out of you. And I'm going to cast it as far east as the east is from the west. 
And then I'm going to put a heart of flesh in you, a heart that's willing to walk after my commandments, to follow my instructions. But that's where a lot of Christianity stops. We're, we're, we, we have a new heart. We want to do what's well, but we still lack power to do it. Go on to verse 27 in that passage. God says, I'm then going to put my spirit on you. The most frustrating thing is wanting to do right, wanting to live right, but not having power to fulfill it. But God said, I'm not just going to give you a new heart to want to do right. I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost fire and you'll be empowered to live right. You'll be empowered to shine as a light in a dark and dying age. You'll be empowered to have, to, to take sin and not have it uh, reign in your mortal body. This is what John goes on to say. Verse nine, listen to this. This is where I wanted to get it. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Not tries not to sin, but he still does not sin. For his seed, what's his seed? God's seed is his Holy Ghost, abides in him. And he can't sin because he's been born of God. That's contrary to what much of not modern Christianity preaches. How many of you know we're not perfect? The Bible says very clearly that he has forever perfected those who are being sanctified by faith. So Paul said, I might not have apprehended Total perfection right now. Though in position, we're perfect. Because we're in Christ. Christ. When God looks on us, he sees Christ. We're perfect in his eyes. We're holy. We're without blemish, without spot. Paul said, though I have not apprehended practical perfection. Because a lot of people hear this and they're like, well, man, I make mistakes sometimes. Yeah, that's fine. If you make mistakes, God is faithful and just. He'll forgive you of your sin and he'll cleanse you of all unrighteousness. But he'll then give you power to be cleansed of all unrighteousness, to not do it again. Isaiah said it before. People are constantly from one pit to another. They're constantly going up and down and all around, and they're on a seesaw battle. And it seems like every time there's a new temptation, they go through the motions. God did not put you, put his Holy Ghost in you so you can battle temptation the rest of your life, so you can battle the deeds of the flesh the rest of your life. The Holy Ghost in you literally is God's seed that empowers you to not just i'm going to try not to sin it gives he gives you power to break free from the desire to ever sin again man i don't when i go and i see people drinking though i was an alcoholic i don't get tempted i'm not like oh man i gotta keep looking the other way no i don't want to do it anymore because the holy ghost has put something in me that broke the ropes you know proverbs 5 23 says a man's sins are like ropes that catch and keep him they're like ropes it ties people down. It binds people. If you think you're going to make progress with God bound by sin, you're in for a rude awakening, my brother and sister. But I want to tell you something. I'm going to hand it back to Isaiah. This is what happened for in Judges 15 with Samson. Samson had been bound with brand new ropes. Samson had been captured and handed over to the Philistines. But when the Spirit of God came on him, the Bible says the ropes that bound him burnt like fire. That's what the fire of God's going to do for you right now. Every rope of sin, every rope of addiction, every rope of fornication, every rope of drug addiction, every rope of, of, of bitterness or hatred or anger that's been binding you and keeping you down is being burnt up by fire. And that same fire that burns the rope is coming in you to live a life that is worthy of the gospel unto which you were called in Jesus' mighty name. 
I think what you said is key, TJ. So much stuff you said was so good, but the power of the Holy Spirit is what enables you to live a free life. Friend, without the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to live your life trying to fight your desires. And our goal is not to spank your hand and say, stop doing it. Our goal is that God would deliver us from the desire to live a carnal life, to live a sinful life. The Bible over and over again says you no longer are subject to the things you used to be subject to. You no longer are slave to the carnal nature. Galatians 5.1 says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Why did God set us free? It was for freedom so that we can live a free life. Why are we not living? Now, some of you are in the comments, you want to debate and say, oh, I'm never going to be free, brother. I'm always going to have to struggle. I'm always going to be bound. I'm always, yeah, you will if you live a life outside the power of the Holy Ghost. If you live a life in some dead, dry church where there's no power of God, there's no manifestation of the Spirit, the anointing and the presence of God is not manifesting, you will live bound. You will just keep saying, I can't, I got to stop doing this. I got to stop doing this. But when you let the Holy Spirit empower you, when you let the fire of God empower you, when you let the anointing of God break you out, Jesus said, I've been anointed to set the captives free, not so that you can come out of one captivity and into another captivity. And this is what we do. We go from bondage to bondage. So now I'm no longer addicted to pornography, but I gossip. Now I no longer am stressed out, but now I'm depressed. And we move from bondage to bondage. We say, oh, the Lord delivered me. I'm no longer a drunkard, but now I'm hooked on this. I'm no longer hooked on this, but now I'm hooked on that. And the Bible says, no, Jesus said it was for freedom. You've been set free. But here's what he says in Galatians. Paul says, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. He says, listen, oh, I felt the Holy Ghost strong tonight, TJ. I'm so glad we didn't cancel tonight. He said, now that you've been set free, the chains have been broken. He doesn't say, don't let Jesus not let you. He says, don't let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Now we know Paul was talking about the law in context, Galatians five, for all of you theologians in the chat are like, he's talking about the law. We know that's what the yoke of slavery was, but this is not just the law that's the yoke of slavery. This is any bondage. He goes, listen, now that I've set you free from the spirit of lust, come on somebody. Now that you've been delivered like I was from the spirit of shame, literally had a demon of shame come out of me. I never was able to look people in the eye my whole life and I got delivered from the spirit of shame. And now I can look people in the eye. I didn't know why I I couldn't look people in the eye. I didn't know that it was a demonic spirit functioning in my life. Just like I had lust. I thought, well, everybody else watches porn. Everybody else a luster. Everybody else looks at women like piece of meat. So it's normal, not realizing it was a demonic power. It was a demonic spirit. And once Christ set me free, guess what now? I don't sit on, on two in the morning on dirty websites going like, well, now that I'm free, I can do what I want. No, he says, now that you've been free, you need to make sure that you don't let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. So we, we keep, now listen, will God deliver you over and over? God is so merciful, he'll deliver you a thousand times. Is the blood of Jesus as powerful the 50th time as the first time? Absolutely. Is there power, is there forgiveness? 2,000 of you on YouTube. Is there power to heal every single one of you and deliver you? Absolutely. But now that you've been free, you are responsible to manage your freedom. You're responsible to live in freedom. Deliverance is the step number one. It's not the end goal, it's step number one. Now you're called to walk in dominion and take dominion over your flesh. You let your flesh know, you no longer tell me what to do. You no longer 
drive me. You no longer whisper in my ear what I should be doing. Demons, you I am no longer subject to demonic powers. I now tell demons what to do and I'm telling them to get out of me. I now tell the flesh what to do and I'm telling the flesh to shut up in Jesus' name because I'm no longer controlled by my carnal desires. Galatians 5.13 says, for you are called to freedom. But here's what he says. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So don't use your freedom in Christ to live however you want. TJ said it earlier, he said, now that I'm free, I can drink what I want, watch what I want, go where I want, do what I want, do who I want, go and listen to it. And it's just, we have this freedom gospel, this carnal gospel. Like I was listening, I don't even know why I listen to some of these things, TJ, because it just gets me my blood boiling. But I was listening to an interview, I don't even know how I ended up on this interview today on YouTube of the most top three, I would say number one, but top three famous pastors, mega church pastors in America, spirit filled, preaches revival guy. And they asked his favorite music and his favorite. Now I won't say it cause I'll give away who it is and you guys will go look it up. They said, who, what's your favorite movie and what's your favorite music? The, not only was the movie probably one of the most demonic movies there is, but the, the, his favorite band was one of the most demonic carnal, uh, satanic bands old school band you can think of and this is this big name pastor and this is like normal and you know what i did bro i went in the comments i'm like am i the only one that's like what how have we gone to this place of compromise in the church how have we gone this place where it's normal to be carnal it's normal to be addicted it's normal to live like the world and here's what blew my mind tj not that he said his favorite movie and music was the most ungodly thing you can think of but that no one in the comments even cared. Like the standard is so low on pastors and leaders. And then the standards on not only pastors and leaders, but the standards on believers. Like we don't even hold leaders to the standard. And Paul makes it clear, now that you've been set free, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Don't, don't listen to music that the flesh likes. Don't listen to movies that the, bro, if I listen to music right now, if I turn on a song, TJ, I used to listen to when I used to party when I was back in the day, bro, I will go right back to that party. If I put on music that was with a girl I was with back in the day, I'll go right back to that relationship. I can literally remember that old sin by putting on the music. Yet we, and we fill our bodies with this music and the culture and movies and all these things. And then Paul says, now that you've been free, walk out your freedom, walk it out. Don't use your freedom to keep on sinning. You've now been made free and given the power over sin to say no to sin. You have power to say no to sin now. Romans 6.22. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and in its end, eternal life. So Paul says in Romans 6.22, now you've been set free and you become now slaves of God. This is what you are. You're a slave of God. And he says, and you get fruit. So your freedom gives you fruit and the fruit leads to sanctification. And the end of that is eternal life. So the fruit of being free is living a sanctified life. Let me ask the chat this question. There's over 2,000 of you listening. Are you living a sanctified life? Because if you've been truly free, if God has delivered you, if God has freed you, the Bible says the fruit of freedom, according to Romans 6.22, is a sanctified life. It's sanctification. That's that separation. That's that consecration. That's God separating you, cleansing you, washing you. But so many people, TJ, not, and we could say this because we both cast out demons. And if you don't cast out demons, you're not allowed to say what we're saying here. 
People think deliverance is a get out of jail free card. And friend, I came to tell you that deliverance is not a get out of jail free card. It's a get out of jail so you can live for God card. That's what deliverance is for. You don't get delivered so that you can go be free from having demonic dreams or anxiety or stress. I have old friends that will still hit me up, bro, and message me on Instagram and say, will you please cast these demons out of me because I'm constantly tormented when I'm at parties. I'm constantly tormented when I'm with my girlfriend. I'm constantly, and I'm like, do you want to serve God? No. I just want to be free from these voices. That is not what deliverance is. Deliverance gives you power to live for God. This is why I love deliverance because I see people get delivered and now I'm like, you can more effectively live the sanctified life because you're no longer a slave of Satan. You're no longer a slave of darkness. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody. Somebody like this broadcast, share this broadcast tonight. You're no longer a slave to demons. You are now, according to Paul, Romans 6.22, you are now a slave of God. And friend, listen, I, January 12th of 2011, said yes to God, and I am serving a life sentence. Let me say that again for those of you that didn't, didn't get that. I am serving a life sentence. I've been given life by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I was once a slave of sin. I was once a slave to demons. I was once bound to my carnal nature. Now I've been born again. I've been regenerated. I've been made new. And now I don't lust after those things anymore. I don't want those things. In fact, TJ, I was so born again. I knew I needed deliverance because I so didn't want uh, pornography. I didn't want to drink. I didn't want to cuss that when I have thoughts of it, I knew it wasn't me. I was like, there's something in me. That's not me. That must be a demonic spirit. And I got delivered days later, but I was, my, my nature was so changed. My desires were so changed. Now I'm not talking to some of you that are like, I need deliverance and I'm hearing voices. The flesh doesn't talk. We're not talking about the, that. We're talking about the desires that you have. Your flesh that desires darkness. I no longer desire. I, I, and I, again, I don't want to say this for you guys to be like, oh, you're so holy and you're so, you're this like righteous man of God. We all have our areas that we're like, Lord, break me, free me, deliver me, all that. I'm telling you right now, I do not desire alcohol. I'm not tempted. I used to drink every day for almost two years. I would drink almost every day. I do not desire alcohol anymore at all. You could put a bottle in front of me. You could put a, a tall can in front of me and I have zero desire. I'm being honest before you guys. I have zero desire to watch pornography. Friend, I was addicted to pornography from like, I don't know, seven, eight years. I was addicted, bound, didn't want to do it. Every time I was like, I don't want to do this, I would go back to it and bound. I have, again, not saying this to be self-righteous or I'm better than you. I want to show you there's freedom in Christ. Zero desire to watch pornography. And I'll be honest, when someone's jogging by and I'm driving and they're wearing short shorts, there's not one ounce of me, TJ, that has a desire to look. There's not even a desire, and we don't preach this. Pastors stand up and say, oh, brother, I know you're struggling. Oh, we are, we're all struggling, brother. Maybe you are a pastor, but I'm not. I'm not, being, I'm not being arrogant. I'm not struggling with pornography. I'm not struggling with alcohol. I have not cussed. I used to every other word, bro, was the F word. 10 years, I've not even slipped. It's not even in my thoughts. Like when someone cuts me off, bro, I don't even get a cuss word in my mind. I'm talking about guys, There's a this is available to you tonight to live the fruit of freedom is, if you're taking notes, sanctification. 
Now, why am I saying this? Am I trying to brag him that, oh, I'm, no. But I, I don't know why pastors stand up and say, you're always gonna be addicted, brother. You're always gonna be tempted to look at that girl. You're always gonna be tempted to respond. I have zero temptation to respond. I have zero temptation to get on the website. I have zero temptation. I don't need a password. I don't need to delete my history. I don't need to go on private browsers because I'm not even desire. I don't even desire it. My desire, you wanna know what I desire? If I'm honest with you, I desire the word of God. I desire the place of prayer. I desire the place of worship. I'm serving a life sentence. I'm not my own master. My body, Romans chapter 12, it belongs to God. I don't get to do what I wanna do because my body doesn't belong to me. But let us stop with this garbage that if you, once you're delivered, brother, the demons are gonna keep coming. You're gonna keep having to fight it your whole life. Those demons are gonna keep coming back whispering in your ear the, the demon of lust friend the demon of lust got cast out of me january i don't know what it was maybe 20th of 2011 and i don't have the temptation that demon that demon tries to come back to me i whoop that demon up and send it back to the abyss where it came from i'm not i don't know why we preach this struggling gospel when god says mm -hmm. i want to set you free i'm not negating those of you that are still working your salvation out or those of you that still need deliverance. I'm obviously not talking about you. I'm talking about those of us that have been free, walking and managing our deliverance, walking in dominion. Let me give you one more TJ and then I'm gonna pass it back over to you. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now I hear preachers all the time saying, oh, the devil's not gonna mess with you. The devil this, the devil doesn't exist. The Bible makes it clear. You need to submit yourself to God. If you wanna be demon proof, if you wanna walk in supernatural power and authority, you need to submit yourself to God. That's the first step is fully surrendering to God. Now resisting the devil, it means to withstand when someone takes an action against you. So now that you're submitted to God, when the devil takes an action against you, which he will, which he does, we're in a real battle, we're fighting spiritual powers. I'm not out, I'm not preaching you out of spiritual warfare. I'm letting you know, once you've resisted to God, you're now able to withstand the actions that the enemy has against you. Does the devil have assignments against us? Absolutely. What war would it be if the, the enemy never attacked or had assignments? Here's the thing, the assignments don't work. I'm able to withstand them because I live a life submitted to God and I'm not, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost strong. I'm not fighting the enemy in my power. I'm fighting the enemy in the power of the finished work of the cross. Mm. I'm not coming in my authority, TJ. I'm coming in Christ's authority. In my authority, I can't overcome the enemy. Friend, the devil's taking down rulers and kings and presidents and dictators, and he's way too strong for Isaiah Saldivar. But when I come in the authority of Jesus Christ, when I've submitted myself to the name of Jesus, when I've submitted myself to the authority and the nature of God, I'm able to withstand the pressures and the powers of darkness. How do you, the devil's always after you, and there's, of course the devil's after us as believers. Of course he knows who I am. I got 350 videos whooping his tail on YouTube publicly, of course. But guess what? How do I still stand? How am I not burnt out? How have I not fallen into adultery? How have I not fallen into lust and perversion and addiction? Because I'm submitted to God first. And then when the devil tries to come, he, he can't touch me. He, he flees, the Bible says. He's limited in his resources. There's only a certain amount of devils. He's limited. And here's what he says. I'm not even going to waste my time on TJ. I'm not even gonna waste my time on Josie. I'm not even gonna waste my time on Jacob. Why does the devil flee? He doesn't flee because like, I'm afraid of you and he runs off. No, here's why he flees. Because he only has a limited amount of resources and you are wasting his time. Friend, the devil, let me say this, demons are not infinite. 
De God, you devil can't create demons. If you didn't know, the devil's not like, let me create a hundred more demons. Demons are limited. There's a limited amount of demons. So when the devils or the principalities and powers are allocating and they're assigning demons, which they do, we know this, they're not going to keep assigning a demon to you when you're not letting the doors open, when you're not giving in. They're like, every time I come to this dude, he doesn't give in. So they stop wasting their time. Be a waste of time for the devil. Come on. Are you all y'all with me? Type it in the chat. Be a waste of time. You let the devil know. Devil, you're, if you try to mess with me, you're going to be homeless. I'm not a home for you. I'm a waste of your time. You could mess with me for four days, five days, seven days. I'll, I'll fast right through you. I'll preach a hole right through you, which is like, oh, I'm going to come to your meeting. Come to my meeting and I'll preach a hole right through you. I'll drop a nuclear warhead called praise on you. I'll drop a nuclear warhead called prayer on you. I'll drop a nuclear warhead called the word of God on you. Maybe you messed with the guy down the road, but guess what? I know my word. I know my Bible and I'm coming with weapons. My weapons are not carnal. I'm not coming with the North. I'm a spiritual sniper. Come on, I'm a spiritual sniper. My weapons are supernatural. This is the life, the freed life that God has called you to live. And so we're preaching you into this thing. We're talking about taking practical steps here to retain your deliverance, to live a demon-proof life, and to keep the demons out once you've been delivered. I'm sorry, bro. I didn't mean to go 15 minutes right there, but I just feel the fire of the Holy Ghost strong tonight, man. When me and you get on this broadcast, I feel that, you know, your anointing jumps on me, bro. That preaching jumps on me. And I'm just telling you guys, we're preaching freedom because so many pastors are afraid to tell you that you don't have to struggle your entire life. Oh, that, that's excellent. And I'm going to piggyback on that. You know, when I was reading before in Romans 6, where it says that we're no longer to present the members of our bodies as instruments of sin, but to present ourselves, our lives. You know, the reason why we're focusing in on the repentance part and the holiness part right now is because it's impossible to reap the reward of righteousness while you're continually sowing the seeds of sin. I'll say that again. It's impossible to reap the reward of righteousness, which is dominion and victory, while you you're continually sowing the seeds of sin. So Paul says, present your body as alive from the dead to God. And now the members of your body, your hands, your feet, your eyes, your nose, your mouth as instruments. And the original Greek is weapons. You know, we said well, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The bo Our body, you know, we have the blood, we have the word, we have the name, but we also have us. You're a weapon. You're a registered weapon in heaven because I want to tell you something. Though your hands might might have been used to roll up joints before your hands might have been used to do all kinds of nasties before whatever you did now your hands are anointed of heaven to lay hands on the sick and see them recover your eyes used to look at all kinds of crazy things now your eyes are anointed to be open to behold the wonders of his word your feet used to go and take you to all kinds of places that weren't holy and weren't uh, wholesome and weren't nice and weren't great and weren't righteous but now your feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace to go into the highways and byways and take people out of the clutch of sin and hell and bring them into the kingdom of God where now they have redemption by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
And so we have to, if you're going to walk in dominion, you have to first and foremost, like Isaiah said, submit to God, surrender yourself to God, give everything you are. Like Paul said, I don't consider my life as any account dear to myself, but that I might finish my course with joy to solemnly testify and preach of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I lay my life on the altar of God. And when you do that, God's all-consuming fire will fall on that altar and burn up the altar and make it holy for him. So we talked about the sin part, but you know what? There's a lot of preaching that stays on the negative part of sin, of, of, of sin, the negative part of like the, 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 this whole like repentance part and stuff that we're all just constantly just we're sinners saved by grace. We're not sinners saved by grace. We were sinners. I've been saved by grace. And now we have to start calling ourselves by what the Bible says we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So you can focus on the neck, like the, you know, there, which we have to go through. There's the whole negative side. But then there, once you get the blood of Jesus that cleanses you, we got to start changing our confession. We're not old sinners. We're not old deprived human beings, uh, good for nothing people. We're now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The Bible says it this way in Zechariah 3, Joshua the high priest had a vision and he said, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and by the side was the devil, the accuser of the brethren that kept accusing me because his garments were dirty. His turban was dirty, was stained by sin and he began to accuse, the Bible says, Joshua day and night, bringing up his past, bringing up all his wrongdoings. See, some of you have are going to submit to God tonight and the devil's going to come and whisper in your ear tomorrow the next time you try and resist him and he's saying, you think you can resist me because of what you've done in your past? Let me tell you, brother and sister, when the devil begins to remind you of your past, you can pick up this Bible and start to remind him of his past, how he was the anointed cherub, how he had a place in heaven, how he was on, he was literally walking in the mountain of God and had a task as, a, as an archangel in heaven, but he had his rear end booted out of heaven and the scripture says he made war against Michael and his archangels and the angels of heaven but there was no place found for him in heaven and Jesus said I saw Satan fall from light fall from heaven like lightning he starts to remind you of what you've done 10 years ago 5 years ago last week for goodness sake you can remind him of what he went through and then when you don't just stop there take it a step further and start to remind him of his future how there's a lake of fire that's prepared for him and his demons to and an eternity and you can just point to the blood because the blood speaks of your of your righteousness the blood speaks of your holiness the blood has been shed not just for the forgiveness of sins that's where a lot of people stay it's actually incorrect the blood of Jesus was not shed for the forgiveness of your sins that might be the first time you ever hear that it was shed for the remission of your sins because if all God did was forgive you you'd sin again tomorrow and then you'd, you you know you <laughs> you'd have the sin nature back on you and you'd be in the worse state than you were before but God took out, like we said before, remission of sins means to take the sin that was in you and as far as the east is from the west, so he's cast it from his from his sight. The Bible says he takes your sin and he buries it in the sea called forgetfulness and he puts a sign there saying no fishing here. The Bible says, David said it this way, oh, how blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven and whose transgression is totally covered. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute 
impute iniquity. That's a fancy theological way of saying God does not count you as a sinner. God doesn't remind you of your sin. God said, your sins and lawless deeds, I'll remember no more. Hallelujah. He said in the New Testament, I'm not only going to deal with the sin, I'm going to take away the consciousness of sin. There's too many Christians that are walking in the consciousness of their past. There's too many Christians that are walking in the consciousness of sin. That you know, They're just constantly aware of all the wrong they've done in the past. When the Bible says the blood of Jesus removes the consciousness of sin, cleanses us from the inside out so that we can now draw near to God without any having any sense of inferiority, any sense of guilt, any sense of condemnation, because as he is, so are we now in this world. Hallelujah. And you know what God said? He rebuked the devil, the accuser of the brethren. And he said, take those garments off Joshua. He called an angel and the angel unclothed Joshua, ripped the dirty garments off of him, ripped the dirty turban off his head. And he said, take white garments and put it on him. And then that was a representation of what Christ did for us. He removed the old man. Oh, hallelujah. Ephesians 4 says that he has taken off the old man. He took off the old man, the old man that was prone to sin. And we were renewed in the spirit of our mind. And then it doesn't stop there. We've put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We've put on a new man, which is created in holiness, in righteousness, and in truth. And, and, and then you, you move on in the New Testament. The scripture says that we, God said in Hebrews, we now, we now have the ability to stand before God. Sorry, not in Hebrews, in Colossians. Without any spot, without any wrinkle, without any blemish, and above reproach, because he hath made peace through the blood of his cross. The blood of Jesus Christ. If you're here today, I don't care if you're the worst sinner in all of the United States of America. I'm your best friend. We're your best friends tonight because we're here preaching to you that there's, there is the blood of Jesus that still flows to the lowest of the valleys. It still reaches to the highest of the mountains. Your sin is, was never stronger than the blood. Your sin is not stronger than the blood. Your guilt is not stronger than the blood. Your past is not stronger than the blood. The blood still prevails in 2021. There's no detergent that can wipe away your past. There's You can't take Tide and Downy and wipe it away you can't pay for your redemption you can't get educated and become intellectually strong so as to be redeemed no the only thing that can wash it all away that's why i love that old song what can wash away my sins there is nothing but the blood of jesus christ and that blood is ready and willing to be poured out on your life today to put an end to your past and start a new beginning with god the devil might have written the first chapters of your life but you you and God can finish the book in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. You need to understand that he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The Bible says in 1 John 3, just as he is righteous, so are we now righteous. If you don't carry that in your head, you'll never cast out a demon. You'll never cast out a demon because they'll bring up something in your past and you'll just shy away and you won't understand what to do. You'll, you'll, you'll get scared. You'll fall back in, in, in intimidation, in, in fear. But when you rise up and understand your position now in God, the devil has no choice but to back out. 
The devil has no choice but to step out of the way. The, that's, <laughs> hallelujah. That's why the Bible says in Proverbs 4.18, it's the path of the righteous, the path of those that understand the righteousness that shines brighter and brighter even unto the perfect day. So good, TJ. I love what you said, too. I wanted to bring this up. Living demon free, living free once you've been delivered is speaking the word of God over your life. So many people don't speak the word of God. They're constantly speaking negative things. They're constantly speaking death. And friend, negative confessions, negative things are demonic in nature. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, if you say to this mountain, move, it has to move. What do you have to do to do it? You have to speak. You have to speak the word of God. You have to speak positive confession. The way we move mountains in our lives is we speak to them. Mountains do not move when you talk about them. Mountains move when you talk to them. Some of you are telling everybody about your problem, everybody about your addiction, everybody about your issue, and God says stop talking about your mountain and start talking to your mountain. Let it know today, depression, you have to move in Jesus' name. Anger, you have to move in Jesus' name. Heartache, it's time for you to move. Toxic emotions. It's time for you to move. You need to speak those things the Bible says that are not as though they are. And some of you, I just have to tell you, you keep letting those demons back in because you're speaking curses over yourself. The Bible says the power of life and the power of death is in your tongue. And some of you, you don't even need a witch to curse you. You're doing a good enough job yourself. You're speaking death. My kid's never going to be. My life's never going to be. My wife's never going to be. Come on. on. My husband's never going to be. I'm always going to be this way. I was like this. My old life was this. I was like this in the past. And you're bringing it up and you're bringing it up. And God is saying, when are you going to speak life over yourself? When are you going to speak God's word over your kids? When are you going to speak God's word over your marriage? When are you going to speak God's word over your business? When are you going to speak God's word over your friends? When are you going to say, I will live and not die and declare the works of of the Lord according to Psalms 118? I remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living according to Psalms 27, 13. I am strong and courageous. I will not be afraid of anyone for the Lord my God goes with me. He will not fail me or forsake me according to Deuteronomy 31 6 God is working all things for my good according to Romans 8 28 God's plans are to prosper me and not harm me to give me a hope in a future according to Jeremiah 29 11 come on this is what makes the devil afraid I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me according to Philippians 4 13 as for me and my house we will serve the Lord according to Joshua 24 15 I will praise God because I am fearfully and wonderfully made according to Psalms 139 I've not been given a spirit of fear but of power of love and a sound mind according to 2 Timothy 1 7 the joy of the Lord is my strength according to Nehemiah 8 15 come on where are y'all at tonight I I will not fear for God is with me. I will not be dismayed for he is my God. The Lord will strengthen me. He will help me. He will hold me in his right hand. According to Isaiah 41 10, God is not a man that he should lie. According to Numbers 23 19, God will restore everything that the locusts have eaten. According to Joel 2. Friend, this is what makes the devil tremble. This is what makes the devil afraid. It's when you begin to speak the word of God. I will delight myself in the Lord and he'll give me the desires of my heart. The 
prayer of the righteous availeth much. The prayer of a person living for God is something powerful and something to be reckoned with. My God will meet all my needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ. Friend, we need to get the word of God on the inside of us. If you want to stay demon proof, if you want to stay free of every demonic stronghold, if you want to know how do I build my defense so that demons can't come back? How do I build my defense now that I've been delivered? Use the word of God. How did Jesus withstand Satan's temptation? He used the word of God. The Bible says that the word of God is the, is the mirror to the soul. It's the lamp unto the feet. It's the cleansing agent. It's the two-edged sword. It's food for your spirit. Friend, the word of God is invaluable. If you're only getting the word of God through a broadcast, come on, help me preach in the chat. If you're only getting the word of God through a live stream, if you're only getting the word of God through a pastor on Sunday morning, you will never live demon proof. You will always live as the lend, as the borrower and not the lender. You will always live as the tail, the one getting drug in the dirt and not the head, the one making decisions. You will always live below and not, you will always live below, not above. But when you get the word of God on the inside of you, you no longer live subject. You, you know how to go to war. We go to war with the word of God. So we need to learn not only the word of God, TJ, but we need to learn to speak the word of God. Some of you, all you just memorize five scriptures. And every time you have that stronghold, that temptation, that desire, the enemy tries to come and shake up your house. You shake up his house with the word of God. You fight back. Jesus could have said, I bind you, Satan. Jesus could have uh, uh, just like that snapped and the devil would have crumbled right before him. Jesus could have called a legion of a thousand angels to come and bind up Satan. What did Jesus choose to do when the enemy came? To use the word of God. He said, it is written. He wielded the sword of the spirit with his words. How did he do it? With his words. Some of you like mystical with it. No, you don't have to be mystical. You use your words to wield the sword and you take the sword of the spirit. You use your words to take the sword of the spirit to cut the head of the enemy off, to cut the root out. You use the word of God. And so speaking the word of God is an invaluable tool to living free from the strategies and the plans of the enemy. This is how we fight our battles. This is how we war against the enemy. Some of you are binding, 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 declaring, 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 but you're not declaring in the word of God. You're not speaking God's word. And so I think, TJ, we need to get back to not only knowing the word of God. Now, again, guys, you need a relationship with scripture. You need to memorize the word of God so that God can, so you can use the word of God to fight the enemy. It didn't, it's, not, it's not just Googling up scripture. And this is one of the issues we have is we don't know the Bible because why would we if we could just Google it up? But without Google, how much of the Bible do you know? And this is something, bro, I'm challenged with because it's so easy. I'm like, oh, where's that verse? Google it up. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, everything up, Google it up, Google it up. And so now it's like, I don't need to know the reference because I have Google. But if I took away your phone, your Bible app, and your Google, David said, I've hidden your word, not in my iPhone, but I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against the Lord. So we need to get this on the inside of us. We cannot rely on our smartphone. We cannot rely on Google. We need to rely on memorizing the word, being ready for the word. You might not have time in the hour of temptation to open up your Bible. So you need to have those three or four or five verses. That's your ammunition in the gun. You might have the gun and praise the Lord, you have the gun and the power, but you have no ammo in the gun. So if you don't have ammunition, the gun's worthless. So you could have all the authority you want, but you have no ammo to use the authority. The word of God is our ammunition. 
The scriptures are our ammunition. This is what the devil's afraid of. He's not afraid of Isaiah's latest revelation. Praise the Lord for it. He's not afraid of TJ's latest revelation. Praise the Lord for it. He's afraid of you speaking the word of God to him because he knows that it's at that word that he loses. So I want to challenge some of you, the practical step, get three or three to five verses. You could just memorize, have ready, have them loaded up so that when the enemy comes, you can fire off some rounds at him and you can fight him with the word of God, speaking that word over your life. That's right. And that's what faith is. Because there's a lot of people who like, well, I've got all the faith in the world. Well, what scripture are you standing on for what you're believing? Well, I don't know. Just, you know, I believe God's going to pull through. That's not faith. Faith begins where the will of God is known. And God's will is clearly expressed in this book called the Bible. The Bible says all scripture is God-breathed, inspired of God, profitable for our teaching, for our instruction, so that we can be trained up for life, trained up for spiritual warfare, so that when we wrestle, not against this flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers and spiritual forces in, in heavenly places, we're not defenseless or helpless. We can wield the sword of the spirit and cast those things down, and we can pick up the shield of faith which we remember faith is what faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of god so even the shield of faith if you don't know the word you're going to war without two vital uh pieces of equipment you don't have a sword so you can't do anything and you don't have a shield you're open pray for the enemy to come in and do whatever he wants but on the flip side when you know the word of god the devil can whisper into your ear you're never gonna make it well, then you can whisper right back actually he that began a good work in me shall complete it to the day of jesus christ he can come and whisper into your ear that anxiety is never going to leave then you can flip the switch on him and say actually god has not given me a spirit of fear but of power of love and of a sound mind he can come and whisper in your ear your great-grandfather had cancer your grandfather had cancer your parents had cancer you're probably you can say actually big you know little dumb devil the bible says in exodus 15 26 that he is the lord my healer and if you go on a few more chapters later it says if I serve the Lord my God he'll bless my bread and my water and he'll take sickness out of the midst of me so you see every time the devil tries to throw an arrow at you which should come in the form of thoughts you now have a shield called faith that can quench or put to naught or destroy the arrows that the enemy would send your way that's why Paul admonished the Corinthian church he said now now we though we walk in the flesh because he said when you get saved you're not getting transformed Translated to heaven. You're not, you know, when you get saved, you're not just uh, automatically teleported to heaven and then we don't have to deal. No, we're still in, uh, a preacher used to say, we're not in the days of, um, uh, of of glory yet. We're in the days of the nasty now and now. We're still on this earth. We still live in a, in a, in a, a battlefield where the enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But you don't have to be one of those who are in the class of those whom he can devour. And so Paul says, though we walk in the flesh, we're still on this earth. We still look the same when we uh, were not redeemed. And now that we are redeemed, we still have flesh. We still have the same color eyes. We still have the same color hair. However, the weapons of our warfare are not might, are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. And he says what to do? Casting down, casting down every imagination of the heart, every seed of doubt the enemy sows in your heart. The word of God gives us power to cast those imaginations down. If the devil gets to wants to get you to imagine yourself in a casket at a young 
engage. You have to cast that down. How? Psalm 91 says, if I dwell in the shelter of the Most High, I abide under the protective barrier of God Almighty. I will say of my God. Now it goes back to what you say. You know, it's important that you line up your confession or, uh, to what God has said in three categories. To what God has said about himself. We got to speak about God the way he's portrayed himself in scripture. We have to talk about the way God has spoken about us. Like I said before, we are now his righteousness. We are now holy as he is holy. We're now made in his image. And then we have to talk this uh, talk about the devil, the way the, the Bible paints him out to be. Hey, he's not some big two-horned foe with great muscles and strong arms and a big red tail and, uh, and a pitchfork in his hand and he's just coming around like a general poking people to where he wants them to be. The Bible actually says in Isaiah 14 that there's going to be a day where we're going to stand before the devil and we're going to, many are going to say, is this the one that brought cities to a ruin? Is this the one that made my family the way it was? Is this the one that caused a divorce? Is this the one that made my body sick? Is is this the one that caused my child to be hooked on drugs? Is this the one that turns people away from God? Is this the one that brought cities into a wilderness? I wish I had known what he looked like back then. Well, brother, you don't have to wish when you get to that day. You can find out what the Bible says of the devil now and realize he's not some big foe. He's a defeated devil and Jesus Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The devil's not eye to eye with you. The devil's not over your head. The devil's not even in your knees. He has no ability to stay in your back. He has no ability to stay in your heart and in your lungs and in your pancreas and in your liver. The only place the devil has a legal right to be is under your feet. David said, I'm going to line up my confession with what God has said. And God is my fortress. God is my refuge. God is my strong tower. And he says, I will not be afraid. You got to choose to not be afraid. You can't go by your fickle feelings. You can't go by what you feel on a daily basis. You're going to be a roller coaster up and down. You're going to be a mess. You're going to be the community prayer project. Anytime pastor comes up, anybody got a prayer request? You'll be the one with two hands up and two feet up. Oh, I got all kinds of prayer requests. God wants to convert you from being the one who always needs to be kept in prayer to the one that is keeping others in prayer, to the one that's bailing people out, to the one that's preaching deliverance to the captives, to the one that's setting the captive free and releasing them that are oppressed. For far too long, we've had a generation of Christians on the earth that are just a needy, needy people always wanting a breakthrough. Brother, keep me in prayer. Oh, the devil's got me on the run this week. That's not what the Bible says about me. First John 4, 4 says, do not be afraid of demons or of the devil himself because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. David said, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be afraid of the perilous pestilence that stalks in darkness. I'm not going to be afraid of the terror at night. I'm not going to be afraid of the arrows that fly at, at, at noon. I'm not going to be afraid of what the devil has planned for him. He can plan all he wants. The Bible says there's no weapon that can be formed against me that can ever prosper. You know what I love about that scripture? The Bible doesn't say that weapons won't be formed. The Bible says God will actually let the devil form the weapon because like Isaiah said, he's limited in resources, he's limited on time, and he's limited on uh, on, um, on his, uh, his supply of 
soldiers that he has. And so the God, God said, I'll let him form the weapon. I'll let him build up the weapon. I'll let him waste his time. I'll let him use his resources. But at the last minute, I'm going to pull the plug on anything he's got planned for you so that no weapon ever prospers against you. And then it says, every tongue that rises up against you, you shall condemn. It doesn't say God will condemn. It doesn't say God will send an angel to condemn. It says you have the ability. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and the righteousness is of me forever and ever. You to condemn it. Whatever you don't confront head on will conquer you. Whatever you don't challenge and resist will remain in your life. You got to get a holy violence today like that woman with the issue of blood and start saying, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'm going to be made well. And anything the devil set up in my body, anything the devil set up in my business, anything the devil set up in my home, it's going to come falling flat because of the power of God that I'm connecting to by faith. David said, I will say of my God, he is my fortress. Then he moves on. What I was saying before, devil wants to make you imagine yourself in a casket. Just go on to Psalm 91. With long life, I'm going to satisfy you, God said. And then I'm going to show you my salvation. Long life's not 40 years old. Long life's not 50 years old. Long life's not 33 years old. Long life's not 67 years old. Long life. I don't even consider long life until you're past 90 years old. And the Bible says that he'll give you long life. I mean, you talk about people of faith, giants of faith. Look at Joshua and Caleb. They're two men that go and spy out the promised land. And they see the same land the other spies saw. Twelve spies went. They saw the same land. They saw the same giants. They saw the same fortified cities. They saw the same people. They saw the same weapons. They saw the same land flowing with milk and honey. The ten came back and brought an evil report of unbelief. God doesn't just see the report of doubt as just a report of doubt and excuses it. He calls it an evil report. When you start to report things about yourself that aren't biblical, God sees it as evil. God sees it as wicked. You can't just spew out everything you feel on a day well I don't feel delivered well I don't feel good well I don't feel great I don't feel like I can make it who cares if you don't feel like you can make it Smith Wigglesworth said I don't go by what I feel I don't go by what I see I don't go by what I hear I go by what the word of God says about me I mean you should make this a daily thing when you pick up this Bible to read it you should say this is my Bible I am what it says I am I can do what it says I can do I, I, I will have what it says I can have and I will say what it says I can say, and God will watch over his word to perform it. You see those two men, Joshua and Caleb, they believed the Bible. They didn't just talk about it. They didn't just have the ability to quote it. But then the moment there's some trial, a tribulation, a problem that tests their faith, they automatically back out and say, well, I guess I must not have been delivered. You know how many people stay in perpetual state of deliverance because the moment they feel something after that, the moment they feel down one day, the moment they feel one slight shape of a panic attack come back to them come back to them they automatically think they're still bound no you're not bound the devil's trying to come back the devil's trying to bring you and reel you back in but you don't have to go back in you don't have to return to your vomit you can do like joshua and caleb said the god is able not only to set me free, not only to deliver me, but I'm going to enter into the promised land. I'm not going to stay on the fence, constantly be uh, trying to to break free, co try, constantly trying to to make it over, constantly trying to 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 move on. No, I'm going to walk in the promises of God. I'm going to walk in the victory of God. Thanks be unto God who doesn't sometimes lead me into triumph, who always leads me into triumph by Christ Jesus. 
you know, and I was getting on this, Caleb at 85 years old. So the Bible's con considered Caleb a man who had another spirit, another spirit. He had a spirit called faith. The faith is a spirit. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is not a thought. It's not a philosophy. It's not a theory. Faith is a living force that is drawn from the living word that enables you to produce spiritual results, real results. And Caleb said, at 85 years old, I am as strong today as I was when I was 40 years old, both to fight and to take this mountain as my inheritance. As my inheritance. Give me now this mountain that I might take it, he told Joshua. You, you think of it, at 85 years old, we're not talking, he, he was in the Californian redwoods, and he was walking through those mountains, and there, he had paved roads, and he can like, you know, just walk on nice roads, and he didn't have to really ex exert his physical strength. No, we're talking about mountains that had thorny bushes, mountains where he had to like climb up rocks. At 85 years old, most people today, well, I don't know, my knees kind of hurt. I don't, my back won't hold out. 85, he's saying, I'm able to walk this mountain, not only to walk onto the top, but to fight for it, both and and to to go to war for it that's something supernatural that's what the inheritance of people of faith is faith speaks faith speaks the promises of god faith is the substance of the things we hope for if all you're doing is hoping for victory you ain't gonna have anything for god to substantialize in your life it's faith what is faith we said faith comes by hearing the word of god and faith is released by speaking the word of god so there's people that they have faith in that they've they know the word they can quote the scripture but they never use the word they never release that faith they never turn that faith loose and so they stay in a low place in life but you'll find out like uh, isaiah said mark 11 23 when you begin to use that faith and quote the scripture in the face of opposition abraham the bible says grew strong in faith he did not consider his own body he didn't care about the natural opposition he didn't care about the natural circumstance he didn't let the things that were happening before his eyes dictate his confession rather he lined up his confession with the word of god and the bible says he grew strong in faith giving glory to god mark 11 23 jesus told us how to release our faith he said if you have faith as small as a mustard seed you will say not you will pray not you'll hope not you'll wish not you'll plead you will say to this mountain be thou uprooted and cast into the midst of the sea and if you believe in your heart and do not doubt that what you say there it is again say three times jesus said say in that passage one time he said uh, to believe. So that means we should preach on saying three times more than we preach on believing because your believing is manifest in your saying. And if you will not, if you will not doubt in your heart, the Bible says you will have what you say. Not you'll have whatever God, whatever God wants, Lord. No, you'll have what you say, whether good or bad. Those 10 spies, they never tasted of the grapes of Canaan land. They never got to taste of the land. They never sat in the land. They never, they never got to, to, to enter into the promised land. Only two guys got in, Joshua and Caleb. So you got to watch what you say. You got to do like David did. Set a guard over my mouth and set a, a watch over my lips, oh God. Let the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. James 3 says it this way. He said, your tongue is like the rudder of a ship. Wherever you turn the rudder, the ship follows. Your tongue's like that. Wherever you release from this mouth, your life's going to follow. If you speak trouble, you'll reap trouble. If you speak poverty, you'll constantly carry poverty everywhere you go. The devil will gladly accommodate your, your 
bad words and your bad thinking. But on the flip side, if you'll start speaking victory, if you'll start speaking, I'm going to make it. Oh, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. If God be for me, who can be against me? My God shall complete all that he started in me. If God started me out, nobody can cancel me out. If God... Uh, if God is moving me forward, nothing can push me backwards. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? He's the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Though war encamps against me, though the enemy raises up against me, in this I shall be confident. I will yet see the goodness of the Lord while I'm yet in the land of the living. And you'll find out when you speak like that. The devil doesn't have an answer to this day for the word of God because his word is a lamp and a light. And the Bible says that light shines out dark darkness and darkness cannot comprehend it come on and tonight we're going to speak the word of god we're going to pray over you guys right now i know we're an hour and a half in there's 2200 of you this is the most important time we're going to pray deliverance i know many of you in the chat are in here saying i need prayer i need breakthrough you're all listen we want you to be free we want you to live this life. Don't be mad at us that we're telling you that you can live this life. We don't want to be those pastors that preach unbelief. We don't want to be those pastors that say you're always going to be like this when God says you don't always have to be this way, that you could right. be delivered, you could be healed, you could be free. So I'm going to pray deliverance. I'm going to pray breakthrough. And then TJ, you'll, you, you'll just tag in and you could pray healing. I know there's people in the chat that are sick in body that need healing in their body. You could pray whatever you feel led, bro. Healing, baptism, spirit, whatever you feel. But right now, we take authority over every demonic power. Satan, you have no power over these people. We break your power now in Jesus' name. We have more power than any demonic spirit that's in this broadcast, any demonic spirit living on the inside of you. We, <coughs> excuse me. We take authority over you in Jesus' name. We bind you, Satan. You have no legal right. You have no power. The Lord rebukes you now. And I say that these people are not your house. They are not your home. That you are temples of the living God. And I say now every demonic power, every demonic spirit must go in Jesus' name, right now, every spirit of infirmity, every spirit of depression, every spirit of anxiety, every spirit of fear, every spirit of unbelief, go in Jesus' name. Satan, we cast you out according to the word of God. We bind you and we command you to go into the abyss in Jesus' name. You have no legal rights. We command you to go now. Get off the people of God. We just say right now, let God's people go in Jesus' name. Let God's people go in Jesus name Lord I pray that you would release your hand your word says that when a spirit comes out it's by the finger and the spirit of God when a demon comes out it's by the finger of God so Lord I pray that your finger and your spirit would touch every single person now and you would loose them in Jesus name loose them in Jesus name Satan let him go right now we bind you now. We come against you now. We speak freedom in Jesus' name. We speak breakthrough in Jesus' name. We speak faith now. And I speak over some of you that you will live and not die. You will not live your entire life bound to the same addictions, bound to the same strongholds. Some of you, I see you right now for years. You've been in anger. For years, you've been in depression. For years, you've struggled to get out of bed. And I say that you will not live like that any longer in Jesus' name. I speak life over you. I speak faith over you. I speak breakthrough over you. I speak deliverance over you now. I pray, Lord, I hear the Lord saying deliverance over the entire house. I pray, Lord, that you would bring deliverance 
over the entire house in Jesus' name. Lord, bring deliverance over the children, over your sons, over your daughters, over your parents. Some of you are watching this. You're in your blankets right there on your iPhone watching this. Your parents are unbelievers. I pray deliverance over them in Jesus' name. I pray salvation over them. We intercede now. We stand in the gap now, and we pray, Lord, that you would bring freedom in Jesus' mighty name. Living room revival. Houses on fire. Let the fire of God be over their house right now in Jesus' name. Up and out, Satan. You have no power. Up and out in Jesus' name. Jesus said up and out. We say up and out now in Jesus' name. Leave these people now. Leave these people now. Let them go now in Jesus' name. You are defeated and you are weak in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would let us let us have the strength. Give us the strength to live the consecrated life. I pray over this chat. Give them the strength to live the consecrated life. Give them the power of the Holy Ghost. Your word says that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I say that you have power over sin. You have power over darkness. You have power, according to Luke 10, to trample every serpent, every scorpion is under your feet in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, we just pray deliverance right now. We pray breakthrough right now. Whatever you feel, TJ, if you want to pray healing, baptism, whatever you feel, bro. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to pray according to Revelation 3. The Bible says Jesus holds the key of David, and he opens that which no man can shut, and he shuts that which no man can open. And he said, See, I have known your works, and I have set before thee an open door which no man can shut. So the key of David can shut, and the key of David can open up doors. And my prayer right now is every door of sickness that's been opened to your family, every door of anxiety and depression that the devil's opened up and he's got free access. And it seems like every, you know, it, it just constantly gets worse year after work, year after year. I'm praying that that key called the key of David is going to shut the door on sickness in your home. Shut the door on depression in your home. Shut the door of suicidal thoughts in your home. Shut the door of, of, of generational problems in your home. Shut the door of alcoholism. Shut the door of pornography addiction. And the same door that's going to shut, the same key that's going to shut all those doors. I pray right now that the door of blessing be opened in your home. The door of healing be opened in your home. The door of every good and perfect gift that God has from the father of lights with there's no shifting shadow or variant of change will be opened in your home right now I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ father let there be a wave of peace that hits your people right now I feel a special anointing to pray for those that are battling panic attacks those that are battling suicidal thoughts and those that are battling OCD or schizophrenia or any type of tormenting spirit in the mighty name of Jesus Jesus Christ, I take authority over that tormenting spirit. The Bible says he cast out a spirit with his word. And by the word of the Lord, by the authority of this book, by the authority of the name of Jesus Christ and the gospel that has been vested in me, I take authority over every tormenting devil in your home and I cast it out. You are free in the name of Jesus Christ. I set you free from the oppression of your mind. I cast down every stronghold of your mind. I take every thought that causes your mind to run and race 
in captivity to the obedience of the word of God. The Bible says, my peace give I unto thee, Jesus said, not as the world gives it. And if the world didn't give it to you, the world can't take it from you. I release a, a flood of peace into your home right now. Oh, he said, I'll keep in perfect peace those whose eyes are stayed on me. I curse all anxiety. Your word says, oh, Father, be anxious for nothing. Anything that's an object of anxiety, an object of concern in the lives of those watching right now. Anything that causes anxiety. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. But your word says a good word makes it glad. I pray the joy of the Holy Ghost would come on you right now. For the kingdom of heaven is not in meat or in drink, but it's in righteousness, peace, and joy. I release a joy inexpressible and full of glory your way. I release fullness of joy your way in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray the last panic attack you ever that you've had will be the last panic attack you ever had that from today you're walking in peace from today God is not giving you a spirit of fear but of power love and a sound mind you will taste of the sound mind you will walk in soundness of mind you will walk in dominion over your mind and not your mind having dominion over you in Jesus name you're free and whom the sun sets free is free and totally free indeed that's why we took time to preach to you for an hour and a half right now because the scripture says, ye shall know the truth. Well, the truth is, see, people get this mixed up. They think that something that they hear, the doctor gave them a report, and that's facts, you know. But, you know, if that's the fact, this is what it is. I mean, faith, what is it? We're just burying our heads in a hole somewhere and just ignoring the facts? No. Faith doesn't ignore the facts. Faith challenges the facts with the mm. truth. The fact might be you have sickness in your body, but the truth is saying tonight by his stripes you're healed. The fact might be you have anxiety and OCD and you take pills, but the truth is that God said that we are to not be anxious for anything for God said, I'll give you peace and guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The fact might be that the analysts and economic analysts have said your business is going to foreclose by the end of the year but the, and on, that you can't even pay rent this month. But the truth says my God shall supply all your needs according to his, his riches and glory. So that's why we took time to preach because now as you've heard the word so mightily has the word of God grown in you and shall prevail in every area of your life in the name of Jesus Christ. Any place that you find yourself deficient any place that you find yourself struggling in you can know that there's a word deficiency in that area so find the word concerning what you're struggling with this is what I, my final admonition i feel like paul writing an epistle my final admonition to you is that don't be a victim when god has called you to be a victor wherever you see it the bible says in proverbs 24 10 if you fail in the day of challenge or adversity your strength is too small so how do you increase the strength? How do you grow your faith? By sitting under the word of God, by listening to, 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 to the word, to preaching. Joshua, God told him in Joshua 1.8, don't let this book of instruction depart from your mouth. Be careful to meditate on it day and night. Let it get into your heart. Let it get into your inner consciousness. Let it totally overwhelm your, literally brainwash you. The Bible says it's the washing of the water of the word. Let it wash the old thinking patterns away. Meditate on it day and night. Observe to do it. So don't just think on it. Actually do it. Then your way will be prosperous and you will have good success. Here's a good practice for you. I wrote this on my Instagram last week. And I'll finish with this. Go in the Bible. Take a highlighter. Everywhere you see in him, 
through him, by Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus, to Christ Jesus, highlight it. Whatever precedes that or proceeds it is a revelation of who you are in Christ Jesus. Write it down, put it on your wall, put it on your doormat, put it on your door, put it on a poster, put it on the ceiling on top of your bedroom. I don't care where you put it. Put it somewhere and read it. Study to show thyself approved. Be one, like David said, whose, whose delight is in the meditation of his word day and night. Because then you won't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and every lie of the devil. You will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. And you'll go from glory to glory. And you'll go from faith to faith. And the next time the devil knocks on your door, you can open up and say, what's up? And put him back. Return to sender whatever he sends your way. And take total dominion. Trample on serpents and scorpions. And over all the power of the devil, for it shall never harm you. In Jesus' name. In Come Jesus on, name. that was a way right there to close it out, guys. What a night it has been. We're still going to hang out for a bit. I'll hang out after and read the donations and the chat. I want to challenge all of you guys to give into this word, sow into this word. We're not beggars, we're believers. We don't do 45-minute offerings. We literally say for two minutes, sow into the word. The links are in the description and in the comments. TJ, where can they find you? I've linked his... Um, Facebook page. Well, we're not on Facebook tonight because they deleted our event because we took too long to start. But we, he is on YouTube. He does have a YouTube channel. And everybody listen on the replay watching, please go subscribe to his channel. It's right down below. TJ's channel is linked. We need to get him to 10,000 subscribers. Are you at, where are you at right now? We're just about to cross five. Five. Okay, Let, guys, let's get him. I believe he's going to be at 10 soon. Let's get him to 10,000. Please, everybody right now, there's 2,200 of you. Make sure tonight that you go and subscribe to his channel. So I'm also going to be sewing into TJ. He doesn't ask for anything. He's never one time said, I need this or I need that. He always comes on will willingly. Every time I've asked him, he's gotten on here. I think you're our... I think we've had you on more than anybody else on the podcast, 73 episodes, and you are definitely our most had on guest ever, which is great. I love it, bro. I love every time we get together, every time we preach, you're always bringing the fire and just, we just have the same spirit, man. God just does something every single time. So I just want to honor you. Thank you for being on. Where else can they find you? Let them know. Instagram, Facebook, let them know where they can find you. Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, it's an honor to be on this broadcast. I enjoy it so much because uh, we're so you know alike and and you're so easy to flow with and we just have such a wonderful time there's always a flow of testimonies after these and that's what we're here we're not hirelings we're not career preachers we don't do this because we want money I, we do this because freely we receive now freely we give there's yes. a fire burning in our man i can keep on preaching but i won't Come on. but there's a fire shut up in our bones that we can't stay put we've tasted of this victory you think we're talking about all this victory and dominion stuff and really we have you look at our lives our marriages and shambles or no we've i have tested this book every word of god is pure and it's a shield to those that put their trust in it i've tested it i've found it to be true and it's never failed me and so i thank you isaiah for having me on i really i, I love you uh, i listen to you all the time last night was extremely powerful and uh you're you're, you're really a, a, an amazing man of god if you'd like to follow us on youtube subscribe to our youtube channel please do which my goal is by the end of the year to get to ten thousand. but if we can get there by the end of this week that would be great too um you can subscribe there we go live every tuesday and thursday and we're also going to be starting to upload more content uh, uh throughout the week you can also follow us on facebook uh tj malkanji salvation now like the page if you f add me on facebook i might not I, you know get around to because i get so many 
uh, friend request. But if you like our page and follow us there and subscribe to our notifications, every time we go live, you'll get notified. And YouTube as well. Instagram, at TJ Malkanji. You can follow our travels all around the world. Uh, we just came back two months from uh, the United States, preaching there uh, virtually every week. And now we're going to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. We're doing a, a crusade there, an open-air, outdoor, old-fashioned Billy Graham, Reinhardt Bonke type of crusade, and we're gonna boot the devil out of Saskatoon, Come on. and we're bringing in his light. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ. That's what we're doing. I'm an evangelist. That's what I do. And um, we've seen, you know, people think that oh, this generation's too far gone. Nobody's interested in the power of God anymore. That's not true because they still go and watch all kinds of paranormal activity, exorcism, this, and all. They all they want something supernatural. Yep. And if the church isn't giving it, they're gonna go to the world. But that's why we're not in the four walls. We're going beyond the four walls, Come on. setting up a, 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 a stage in a park, and we're going we're gonna to give the devil a black eye like my friend always Come says. Come on, man. I love it. Listen, you're at 5,100 right now. Guys, listen. Here's the thing. Don't get off here. Listen to what I'm about to say. There's 2,100 of you. If everybody would partner, give something, whether it's a dollar or two dollars, if everyone would go subscribe... We could get him. We could get him. Let me see. Where are you at right now? I'm refreshing a page. We could break. 5. We could break. 1, 1. We could break right now. Seven thousand. If you guys just, it's the call to action. So don't sit back and be like, ah, I don't want to do that. Just help us out. We just poured into you guys for an hour and forty-five minutes. Tell you tell me where someone's gonna go give you an hour and forty-five minutes of straight fire preaching like that. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content and please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.